Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and this week, kind of something a little different. You know, last week was, mm, it was Thanksgiving. So, number one, nobody cares about Thanksgiving recipes because Thanksgiving is in the past. So why would we retroactively, you know, relitigate the holiday of Thanksgiving with a, like, oh, this is how I brand my turkeys, so I make this kind of... No, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Similarly... You probably already have uh, a lot of leftovers you're still working through. So, you know, having a, a new and exciting recipe for something might not be interesting to you. So, <laughs> so basic. Okay, so maybe I'm just describing my own my own look outlook on food uh, this week, which is I don't really care. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I want a little bit of sustenance at some point and I want to get through all of the turkey and, and leftovers that I have in the fridge, so I'm not making anything new. So I want to talk about protein bowls, protein shakes. They are delicious. They are wonderful. It's a great way to supplement for um, anything, anything, whatever you're trying to boost on your macros or you know nutritionally. A, a nice shake or bowl is it works. It is delicious, and it can um, it can achieve various goals depending on how you construct them. So this will be a short episode. It's not really. I mean, I'll tell you different types of ingredients and stuff that you can add that are very delightful, that have nice contrasting flavors and textures and all that kind of stuff. But realistically, you're talking about uh, some high quality protein powder, um, even. Even the, the liquid medium that you mix it up in. I mean, I, I use whole milk, but you could use water. You could use uh, nut milks or oat milk or skim milk or, or yeah, or whatever. <laughs> but the point is, so a protein shake. Well, before we get into this, let's, let's go through all the front matter. Take a look at the show notes. We'll have a link to the Imager album, which is literally going to be like less than 10 photos of... <laughs> make making a shake in a bowl it's kind of dumb no plain text recipe whatever type of information like just you know, macro information of this particular bowl i'll put a link to the protein powder that i use optimum optimum nutrition gold standard whey protein isolate you know maybe i'll throw in a couple little references to some other supplements that I like to use um, that can be added to something like this without presenting like an off flavor or texture or something like that. But I mean, whatever. The show notes are there. This is the format, but this is really simple. So um, talking about protein shakes, uh, number one, the main component is going to be your choice of protein powder. Now you have myriad versions of protein powder that you can choose from. One of the most popular is whey protein isolate. And the reason that it is so popular is because whey protein is very easily bioavailable. Um, it's a high quality protein. Your body can utilize uh, a lot of it uh, without having like uh, digestive mm, obstacles, I guess, <laughs> you know, without getting too gassy, without getting too bloated, without getting cramps, without you know, any other type of gastrointestinal distress, except, of course, if you are sensitive to dairy and whey and whatever, 
In that case, you might want to go with, you know, you can have a soy protein, you can have pea protein, you can have a hemp protein, you know, there's egg protein. Egg protein can get really gastrointestinally distressing. So who knows? I don't really see a lot of people going from whey protein to egg protein. Um, but you have all these different protein uh, formulations and some of them are more bioavailable than others. Some are a little easier on your stomach than others, but it really depends on what you can handle, what you prefer, and whatever. The reason that I like optimum nutrition, this is such a dumb reason, but you know, you, you get these little things, you get these little this little like Tinkerbell voice in your head, and you absorb it as the God's honest truth. <laughs> but uh, man, it was like 15 years ago, a guy on the fitness subreddit on Reddit did like it, it, it wasn't like scientific in that it was lab results and whatever. But it was a consistent methodology where he, he went through pretty much, I don't know, a, a dozen of the top protein brands and did some very rudimentary analysis on the protein content and things like flavor and uh, dissolvability and digestibility and stuff, just basically his own uh, experience with it. And things like uh, whatever, however he measured the protein content of a, of a sample showed that optimum nutrition had like the highest, the most accurate like protein rating, not rating, a measurement like that a scoop of protein powder was pretty close to 24 grams of protein and it, it dissolved really nicely so that you didn't have to, you weren't leaving any of it in the bottom of your shaker cup or your, or your blender or whatever. So it just seemed like, okay, here's, here's uh, a testimonial that is fairly rigorous and exhaustive that says optimum nutrition is the best, you know, and the fact that optim optimum, optimum, I can't say it, optimum nutrition is uh, extremely popular and it's easily available. I mean, you can get it at GNC, you can get it at the grocery store, you can get it on Amazon, whatever, and you can get it in myriad flavors from vanilla to strawberry to chocolate to, and there's like a million different types of chocolate. There's chocolate milkshake, there's chocolate, there's chocolate, chocolate, there's double dark chocolate. There's all these million things, whatever. I don't pay attention to it. I just get a chocolate type, whatever. But, you know, when you're making a protein shake or a protein bowl or something like that, you should do so with some intention, you know, like what am I actually trying to accomplish here by having this instead of some other type of food? You know what I mean? And my my uh, motivation for making like a, a protein supplement meal like this almost every day, almost every day is to get a large amount of protein all in one shot because generally I eat once or twice a day. You know what I mean? So, you know, this whole thing of, of three square meals a day and breaking out, you know, your protein uh, target in distributing it amongst multiple you know, meals, a breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe a snack in between or something like that. I, I can't, I can't stick to that kind of uh, routine. I will be protein deficient if I require three meals to get my protein target hit. Uh, because, uh, you know, after two or three days of that, I am not going to be eating breakfast again. Like I'm going to just be cutting that meal out. And if I'm just relying on the same foods to get to the protein targets that I've set, then, um, I'm going to fall short because I'm not going to eat breakfast and I'm not consistently going to eat lunch. I'm generally, I am a one meal a day type of person. In fact, it has, it has, oh, what's it called? It's a, it's abbreviated, but whenever the abbreviation forms a word that you can pronounce, 
like NASA. Ah, is it a pseudonym? Is it a, uh, I don't know, whatever. Um, but OMAD, one meal a day is sort of my my lane that I like to stay in. Um, so my protein bowl or shake supplements that one meal a day to give me primarily a big shot of protein. In fact, this formulation here is 110 grams, and I shoot for between 180 and 200 grams of protein per day. So by getting 110 grams of protein in what is essentially a shake. Midday means that um, I don't have to sweat dinner. It can be anything. It can be, you know, as much as I want to eat, as little as I want to eat. And chances are I'm going to get, you know, 60 to 80 grams of protein, regardless, just by, by virtue of the fact that there will be, you know, animal protein or something like that in that meal. So I know that I'll hit my, my protein target through regular food in addition to the shake. But, you know, some people will prioritize protein, but second to uh, like calorie restriction because my protein bowl by protein shake is very high calorie. I mean, to the extent that for a smaller person, and when I say small, I mean like less muscle mass, um, shorter, uh, less body mass overall, but like the body composition being a less muscle mass, this particular protein bowl formulation would be the entire caloric intake for that person for a day. Uh, my my uh, my sort of baseline, my um, uh, what would you call it? My maintenance calories for my active lifestyle, my fairly vigorous workout routine is uh, between thirty five hundred and four thousand calories a day. That's like to maintain at my current weight, with giving a a, a slight surplus that I can uh, go into you know body recomposition where I can build uh, muscle mass add muscle tissue, reduce fat content in my body without being at a, a deficit, but it's very slow. It's it's slow going. You know, you're you're adding a small amount of muscle every month, month after month after month for a long period of time. And at the end of a year, you know, you weigh the same amount as you did at the beginning of the year, but you have a different completely different body composition. As far as my my activity levels, you know, I'm generally for the past year have been on the 75 hard program more often than I have been off of it, which is uh, two workouts per day, 45 minutes each. One of them has to be outside in addition to drinking a gallon of water a day, no cheat meals, no alcohol, uh, reading nonfiction, 10 pages every day, take a selfie every day and um, picking a diet plan and sticking to that. That's kind of, kind of gets folded into the whole no cheat meals, no alcohol, type of thing. And, you know, whatever diet plan you choose, I mean, you say like, I'm going to do a keto diet from the 70 day stretch, 75 day stretch, or I'm going to eat only whole foods, or I'm only going to eat foods prepared at home. I'm not going to eat any processed foods or, you know, whatever. I mean, however you want to do it, you're setting that parameter and then you're sticking uh, to that, not parameter, constraint. You're constraining your diet and then you're sticking to that for the period of time that you're doing the program. And mine is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very open-ended, but it's, you know, whole foods, home-cooked meals, high quality, like looking at, you know, like if we went out to dinner, we wouldn't be getting like some you know, big monstrosity of, of fat and, and carbs and calories. It would still be focusing on uh, a lean protein and whole foods, real simple. You know, like I want an animal protein, a vegetable, uh, uh, a starch or a pasta, something like that. And then I generally will stick to one prepared meal per day 
uh, as dinner. And then, uh, yeah, when I'm in a cutting phase, like I'm trying to lose weight for a period of time, um, I'll have a protein bowl or a shake every other day. And then when I'm in either maintenance or uh, a slight bulk that I'll do one every day and then uh, pay more attention to the calorie content, the caloric content of my one regular meal, my dinner meal. So, you know, whenever I tell you what my protein bowl is and it comes out to you know over 2,100 calories, it's like, oh my God, but isn't the daily recommended calorie intake like 2,000 calories? And it's like, ah, come on, I, gotta, I don't want to go down too many, uh, what's it called? Uh, digressions or tangents about the, the government steering uh, nutritional literacy or uh, metabolic health because they've done a terrible job of it. But one, you know, these nutrition labels saying a 2000 calorie diet, that is, uh, that doesn't take in any extraneous factors such as activity levels, body size and composition to begin with, or, you know, the, nece the necessary nutrients to perform whatever physical tasks it is that you are regular, regularly performing. It's just sort of like, here is a generic profile of a person that is kind of an, an average that doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? Like most people need either far in excess of 2000 calories or, you know, relatively, relatively few calories in comparison, like 1500, 1800, whatever. So just basing it on 2000 calories isn't really great. Also, I believe, and I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory or if it's uh, documented or whatever, but that the, the Department of Agriculture did cooperate with the Department of Defense somewhere in the early half of the uh, 20th century to come up with the RDA, the recommended daily allotment of macronutrients, micronutrients, you know, vitamins, minerals, that kind of stuff to create a population that isn't dietarily deficient um, as like a, as a, uh, as a general rule, you know what I mean? It's like, Hey, if you get, if you get these levels of micro and macronutrients, at least you won't be malnourished and you won't have rickets and scurvy and all that kind of crap. So that if we have to recruit you, uh, recruit, uh, draft you into you know, a war like World War II or Vietnam, Korea, whatever, we have the biggest pool of people to draw from. Like we'll have people who, who meet minimum standards of health that we can pull into the armed forces and use for, for that purpose. But that doesn't really address ideal health or diet or performance or anything like that, which I think today more people would be concerned with rather than um, maintaining a, uh, a healthy population available to fight world wars. You know, that seems kind of antiquated, but, but they keep bringing it around. They keep bringing it around, trying to, you know, teasing us with World War Three. <laughs> so yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not, uh, maybe don't get your macros in order until after that's over <laughs> so that you are not uh, susceptible to being used by the military industrial complex. All right. I'm going way down into the conspiracy talk here, but the point is, Nutrition labels, they can be accurate, um, but not honest. You know what I mean? Like whenever it says your, uh, this is based on a 2000 calorie diet, but it's like, oh, well, do I actually need 2000 calories? Do I need to eat more? Do I need to eat less? Also these levels, is this for optimum health or is this for, to just be out of the sickly category? And you kind of have to, you have to play with those personally, experiment with your own body, how you feel, how you perform whenever you increase certain aspects of that or decrease certain aspects of that or whatever. 
Additionally, serving sizes, you know, in some cases with some ingredients, I will stick to the serving size because I just want to get a certain quantity of something and knowing that the serving size provides that quantity, that's sort of like one goal. So for example, I have a hulled or shelled hemp seeds in my protein shake and a serving size is three tablespoons and per serving you get 10 grams of protein. So the only reason I'm putting that in there is because I want 10 grams of protein from this ingredient. So I'll put in exactly the serving size. In the case of other ingredients like peanut butter, for example, yes, there is protein in peanut butter, but it's not as uh, protein dense or the, the protein in the peanut butter isn't such an overwhelming uh, quantity that you can disregard the caloric impact of the peanut butter. You know, like two tablespoons of peanut butter will be like close to 200 calories, but there'll be eight grams of protein. Whereas three tablespoons of the hemp seeds will give you 10 grams of protein. And yeah, it gives you 10 grams of protein for 180 calories. Whereas two tablespoons of peanut butter gives you about eight grams of protein for roughly the same amount of calories. So you get a little bit more of a concentration of protein out of the hemp seeds than you do with the peanut butter, but I'm putting peanut butter in there for the flavor, for the texture. You know what I mean? So I'm not measuring out the peanut butter to two tablespoons. I am using the amount of peanut butter that I want, which tends to be closer to a half a cup, which is a whopping 760 calories, but I'm aware of that. You know what I mean? So in some cases I'm using a serving size because I just want one of the macronutrients that comes in that serving. Other times I'm using the amount of an ingredient that I, that I want or need for either flavor, texture, uh, consistency, something like that. You know, like I use two cups of milk, whereas the serving size is one cup of milk type of thing. All right. Uh, yeah. With those serving sizes, man, it's, it's weird. It'd be interesting to see the full methodology of how they arrive at like what a serving size is. And I think it's to hit like a macronutrient profile target as well as a caloric target. But sometimes you'll see weird ones like, uh, like dill pickles. The serving size will say a third of a pickle. It's like, who eats a third of a pickle? Like, what are we talking about here? You know what I mean? And you look at it, it's like, okay, a third of a pickle. A serving size is like, what, five calories, zero grams of fat, one gram of carbohydrates. I don't know how many carbohydrates are in a pickle, but it's like, if you eat three times this amount, if you eat one whole pickle as, as opposed to a third of a pickle, what are you looking at? 15 calories? Who cares? Well, then you get down into some of the other things that are tracked on the uh, nutritional label. And you'll see that, you know, your, your serving size, quote unquote, has some you know, huge amount of sodium because there's tons of salt and pickle brine and whatever. So it's like, oh, there it is. They don't want you to eat the whole pickle because if you do that, then you have to say that, you know, like per serving of pickle is like, uh, I don't know, it could be like 4,500 milligrams of sodium, which would be insane for one pickle. But then it comes back to the idea of like, well, is sodium really that bad for you? You know what I mean? Like if you, like, can it be bad? Yes. Is it necessarily bad? Like, do you need to restrict your salt intake? Well, I mean, probably not, you know, but you know, you have certain micronutrients, certain minerals, things like that, that can, they have a reputation amongst the, the population. It's just in, in as general, I don't want to say vernacular, um, just sort of like collective wisdom, whether it's true or not, is that I ah, don't eat too much salt. So I understand that it's part of the, it, it, is it part of the marketing? Is it to uh, qualify for certain things like food stamps or WIC or whatever? Like, do you have to, do you have to meet certain uh, 
uh, nutritional benchmarks to maximize your sales more or less. So basically, generally I like to, I will pay attention to the nutritional labels, but when it comes to serving size, I, I like to think about, okay, what is actually realistic? How much of this am I really going to eat? Am I going to eat two tablespoons of peanut butter? Am I going to eat a half a cup of peanut butter? If I'm going to eat a half a cup of peanut butter, then I need to, I need to look at peanut butter as an ingredient that is many more calories, much more fat, more protein than what the serving size says, because I'm never going to actually just eat the serving size. You know what I'm saying? All right. So here's how I construct this. Also, uh, so, sort of like the, the flavor profile that I'm looking for is reminiscent of uh, this place opened up down in, in town called Fruition, and they do smoothies and bowls and you know, avocado toast and coffee drinks. And it's like a little hipster smoothie place. And it's fantastic. I love that place. I don't know the nutritional profile of their bowls because they don't like list out everything that they put in and the amounts, maybe their proprietary formulas or whatever. But I'm sure that they have fewer calories and uh, many, many fewer grams of protein because they're not trying to maximize you know, protein content. But they're delicious. And uh, we started making them at home, I don't know, six months ago or whatever, and uh, sort of settled in this this general mix of ingredients because it hits the the macros that I'm looking for and is super duper delicious and I can throw it together pretty pretty quickly. So let me tell you what's in my my daily protein bowl. Actually, this one I, I did make for the for the gram for the podcast and what I I will very rarely actually process this much uh, fruit, like this wide range of fruits <laughs> to put into my bowls because it takes extra time. And really, I could just make the base, a little bit of peanut butter, some granola, whatever, yada, yada, yada. I'm good to go. But I want it to look pretty, so I put all the stuff in. So, I mean, really, there's probably about 200 calories of just superfluous fruit that is in this bowl. So you can knock this down to like 1900 calories and then I could cut other things out and, and kind of have it settle in at about 11 or 1200. If I was trying to like, you know, cut five, 10 pounds over a period of time, but I am not doing that right now. So here is my bowl, two cups of whole milk. Uh, and I, you know, in the show notes here, I'm going to list this out with, um, the calories and the protein content. Um, for each ingredient, because that is what is important to me. I don't care about carbohydrates and fat. Um, I'm looking for protein, 200 grams of protein every day, and I will lift weights and do steady state cardio to the extent that I need to, to turn that protein content into muscle mass. And that's, that's what I'm doing. So two cups of whole milk, two scoops of whey protein powder, uh, flavors, chocolate or double chocolate, 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 some kind of chocolate protein powder, whatever. A half cup of peanut butter, three tablespoons of hemp seeds, two thirds of a cup of protein granola, three blackberries, three individual blackberries, um, a quarter cup of fresh blueberries, five raspberries, a half a banana, a half of a green apple, a teaspoon of honey, uh, one and a half cups of frozen blueberries, one homemade Reese's cup. This is kind of fun. My wife made these uh, homemade Snickers bars and Reese's cup with dark chocolate and peanut butter and dates and all kinds of stuff. It was really good. Threw one of those on top because it's a delicious little treat and it's relatively low calorie. It's like 50 calories for one of those guys. One teaspoon of strawberry jelly, which is to emulate the peanut butter and jelly bowl at fruition. It's, it's really nice with the peanut butter, a little bit of jelly, just to get them together. It's beautiful. 
um, a half of a kiwi, basically just to make like a fancy little star ornament to put on top of the bowl. And that comes in at holy moly, 2,138 calories and 119 grams of protein. That's actually, I said 110 earlier. That's actually an underestimation of the protein because I didn't go through it, calculate the fractional grams of protein that are in all of the fruits, you know, like a half of a green apple, a half of a banana, five raspberries, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all like less than a gram of protein each in those measurements. But when you put them all together, it's probably a couple of grams of protein that is bioavailable to you. So that 119 grams of protein is probably more like 124, 125, uh, but it's close enough. You know what I mean? And plus, I don't put all that fruit in my bowl every time. So let's just count the big the big sources of protein because those will be in there more often than they will not be. Okay. So that gets you at 2,100 calories. And then, you know, I eat a, a dinner and that is another, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 calories. They get you right up to between 3,500 and 4,000. And I maintain at my current weight indefinitely on that delicious diet of whole foods and um, basically giant bowls of fake ice cream, which is what this is. <laughs> so uh, the idea, one, is that you're basically creating a milkshake, you know, the frozen blueberries. Now you can use frozen strawberries. You can use frozen bananas. Uh, you'll have to play around with the quantity and, uh, you know, for getting the consistency that you want. A frozen banana has a lot more mass, a lot more cold mass that it's bringing into the blender. So you can get a thicker ice cream base sort of by using whole milk or half and half, a little bit of half and half in there with a frozen banana. Strawberries, uh, really nice flavor, strawberry and chocolate. The chocolate protein powder with the strawberry is very nice, but the strawberries are less dense. So the amount of cold, you know, the the, the deficit of heat within a frozen strawberry is is more is less is less what am i if it's a negative anyway they're not uh, they don't have as much cold mass as bananas or blueberries so you'll have a, a thinner uh base of your bowl using frozen strawberries the frozen blueberries while they aren't as dense as a banana they the way that they stack you know the stacking property of round things they are very efficient in filling space so you can whereas you might be able to fit like a cup of frozen banana into the into the blender cup or whatever you can get maybe an extra half cup of frozen blueberries in there so you just have more frozen fruit mass because of the more efficient stacking of the shape of the fruit so that gives you a nice thick creamy sort of a milkshake base to that the protein powder Cramming in two scoops of that protein powder is huge. Each scoop is 24 grams of protein. So two of them, and they're 48 grams already. And it thickens it up. You know, the powder mixes with the milk and, you know, with the the, the cold of the fruit, it makes it a nice, thick, delicious chocolate ice cream. And with the blue, I don't know, something about blueberries. Blueberries is like a, it's like a developer of chocolate flavor. Like you have strawberry and chocolate and it tastes like strawberry and chocolate. You have banana and chocolate, it tastes like chocolate banana. You put blueberry in there, it just tastes like extra chocolate. Like, I don't know, like it tastes like dark chocolate or whatever. It's wonderful. Let's see, what else? Anything interesting in here? Uh, a little bit of honey or, or the protein granola. Uh, look at that. Uh, two thirds a cup. That is a serving size. 270 calories, 13 grams of protein. It's very good. Um, usually your regular granola is going to come in at between six and eight grams. So you're getting, you know, an extra five grams of protein 
um, by specifically buying protein granola and uh, everything else is pretty self-explanatory. But look, you don't have to use milk. You can, I mean, you can make a shake. Some people just put water, protein powder, shake it up and drink it. It's not, it's not like a milkshake, but it is a, it is a protein shake. You can use nut milks. You can use um, other alternative milks or liquids or whatever. But this is, this is wonderful. This is, uh, you know, I've constructed this specifically for health goals and health motivations, but it is like eating a big bowl of dessert every single day or every other day or whatever. And that's the thing too, is what, I mean, with 2,100 calories in this, in this bowl or in the shake, whenever I go into a cut, like, uh, actually currently the last 25 days of this round of 75 hard is like a mini cut. So I'll only have one of these every other day. So that means on those off days, you're immediately in like a 2000 calorie deficit just by cutting out this one, uh, meal, meal replacement type of thing. So it's very effective. They're pretty They're but they're so delicious. Oh my God. They're so good. And, uh, oh, big, big, this is the most important thing I, I should have said at the beginning, put your bowl that you're going to pour this into, put it into the freezer, like I don't know, a half hour before you make one of these. And it is so much better. It is so much better. Like one, it, it comes out creamy and smooth and like, like soft serve ice cream out of the, um, out of the, the blender cup. But then it goes in that cold bowl and it solidifies and it sort of like sets up a little bit. So you get, you get the better texture for a longer period of time. It's just, it makes all the difference. Put that bowl in freezer, half hour, boom. You like your, your end product will be like 70% better. And that is not a scientific measurement. That is just uh, my perception. But uh, yeah, that's it. Protein bowl, big macros, lots of nutrition. You can you can construct these any way you want. You can get them down to you know five six hundred calories. Uh, you can get it up to where you eat one of these and you're good for the day or whatever you know. But um, depending on your 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 activity level the intensity with which you work out or just regular things like your lifestyle, you know, like I don't, I don't sit down very much during the day. I live on a farm doing things. I'm outside hauling wood, cutting wood, chasing animals around, doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, if, if I take a day off uh, from that, then, uh, maybe draw, draw down some of these quantities, maybe get that, get that calorie measurement down into like the 16, 1500 range, something like that for, for a slow day. But whenever it's going to be a hard charging day, man, load it up. You can use it. It's gas in the tank. All right. All right. We'll talk to you next week when we make some real food.